Well, today we're going to continue in our series on the believer's authority. We're still laying a foundation because there's so much in the Word of God about the believer's authority. I'm here to tell you that God's original plan, we've said this over and over again, when he created man, man was to have authority on this earth, sovereign authority, right? He has provided Zoe life for you, but you've got to take it. You've got to, I mean, there's an enemy out there who's a master deceiver. He's called the destroyer. He walks about seeking whom he can devour because he can't devour just anybody. As for a Christian, he can't devour a Christian at all unless we give him permission. Because he has been stripped by the Lord Jesus Christ. The redemptive act of Jesus, literally, Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. He was stripped. The Bible says he uses the term reduced to nothing. It was a Roman military term. When they would conquer a nation, they would line up all the officers and, and the whole conquered army, and they would bring their general out, and then the general for the Roman army would come, the commander would come, and he would reduce him to nothing. And he would pronounce things like, you used to be a free country, but now you are under our control. And he would have soldiers that would rip medals off this guy. And they would keep ripping stuff off of him and ripping stuff off of him until all his officers and the whole army saw their commander stripped naked and completely humiliated. So Jesus did that to Satan, right? And every demon that's set against you, all principalities, all powers, all the rulers of the darkness of this world, all spiritual wickedness in high places, a.k.a. losers, right, saw it. They just don't ever want you to know because Satan has no power over you. He has no power to steal, kill, and destroy. He has no power to oppress you. But he will... He'll throw thoughts in your mind. He'll use the world system. He'll use people that are even close to you. He'll use whatever he can to get you to get your eyes off Jesus so that you forget who you actually are so that he could come in and steal from you, right? And here's, the, here's really the good news. If you ever just decide as a believer, you know what, I'm done. Satan, I'm not putting up with you anymore. You're not stealing from me anymore. You know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll be happy, and then he'll lead you to Proverbs chapter 11, the last verse, where it says, oh, by the way, the righteous shall be repaid in the earth. So if, if Satan's ever stolen anything from you, because maybe you haven't heard this or know how to walk in it, guess what? You could get everything back the enemy stole while you're in the earth. Wow. I don't think we have a whole lot of time left in the earth. So, you know, it's like Satan, you better get busy. Bring all that stuff back, right? God has given you authority in the earth. This is, not, this is not something that's kind of an edgy doctrine. No, no, this is Bible. It's all over the book. So I would encourage you, if you haven't been here, go back and listen to those other two messages that we've preached. Outline them. Meditate in those scriptures until they open up to your heart and you not only know you have authority, but you see it. 
the Holy Spirit, how he leads you will always be, always. He will always lead you to face the enemy face to face. He will always lead you in authority. He will prompt you to stand in your authority. Satan, you can't have my health. You can't have my life. You can't have my family's life, right? You're not going to steal my children in eternity, right? Yeah, but pastor, I really messed up as a parent. That's okay. Repent, get over it, right? And start living in a manner, start living and following the Lord so that your children can even see that in you. If you need to, go apologize to them, right? Do whatever you need to do, but realize it's not going to be based on you. I don't care where they are. God will send laborers. He'll work, right? Don't you want... See, step number one of parenting is step number one, you have to know how long your children live, right? Guess how long they're going to live? They're going to live forever. The question is, where are they going to live? Are they going to grow up? Are they going to be lost forever in a place called hell? Oh, wait, that's not politically correct in church to say hell. Hell is real. The lake of fire, a place of eternal torment day and night, is real. It was never made for man. God wills that nobody go there, right? So parents, don't ask your kids, hey, do you want to go to church today? That's a, that should never even be a question, right? It's like, uh, you know, here's some poison. Do you, do you feel like taking this today? You would never do that, would you? Right? So live your life in such a way that it, that it promotes what God has given you. Amen? Why did I get off on all that? That wasn't part of my notes. So anyway, God's original plan, we saw very clearly in Genesis that God gave man sovereign authority in this earth. He told man to subdue the earth, to conquer it, to keep it from any future resistance, to disarm the enemy that already was defeated, give him no place. Eve should have never been talking to Satan in the same way you shouldn't. How do you deal with all these demonic things in your life? Shut up and get out. In Jesus' name, that's it, right? But then Adam and Eve, when they chose to disobey God, what they did is they yielded to Satan's deception, right? Now, Eve was deceived. Adam was not deceived. But when they yielded to what he wanted and disobeyed God's laws, which is life, they transferred their authority to the enemy, right? They transferred it. So now... Satan has authority in this earth. Jesus even called him the God of this world system. But then Jesus came and got it all back. When he was on the earth, he sent out 12, his disciples, 70 of his disciples. And he actually, because he was born into this world, he was righteous. He wasn't born in sin. So he literally, when he showed up, Satan had no authority over him. No authority over him. Had authority over people, the world system, but that's why Jesus had total authority in the earth. So he delegated authority to these guys. He sent them out. 
they come back and they're like, wow, even the devils are subject to us in your name. So in other words, how we operate in our authority is we use the word of God in the name of Jesus, right? So, so now they come back and say that. And then in Luke 10, 19, you could put that up on the screen. Luke 10, 19, Jesus says to him, listen, behold, I give to you power. It's the Greek word excusia, delegated authority. Jesus actually gave them delegated authority in his name. He had a right to do that before he even went to the cross. Delegated authority to do what? To tread on. That, that Greek word tread means to have absolute mastery over. Serpents and scorpions. That's, that's a type of the satanic hierarchy. All the demons, right? All the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. He, they had authority in the name of Jesus over all of that to have absolute mastery over them, and it says to tread, right? To have absolute mastery over all the power of the enemy. And that word power is not delegated authority, it's, it's ability of the enemy. And he said, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Wow. Now what we got is even, it's, it includes this, but then it goes beyond. In Matthew 28, 19, in verse 18 and 19, after Jesus comes out of the grave, Jesus came and he spoke unto them saying, all power now, all of it. That was the Greek word again, excusia. All delegated authority has been given to me. Wow. In heaven and in earth. And then in verse 19, he goes, now you guys go. And we know from other scriptures, you go in my name. You do the works that I do, but greater works will you do now because I go to my Father. You have been given the name of Jesus. All the authority that is in that name is for you to use on this earth. In other words, you have been given authority in the name of Jesus and you have been given power in the person of the Holy Spirit. So you are authorized and empowered to overcome in life. Wow, that's a big statement. We could just go home right now, right? So then we look at some of the epistles. We go to Colossians chapter 1 in verse 13, and we see when we were born again, now, it, when did it happen? It happened when Jesus came out of the grave. It took effect in our lives when we chose to believe what the word says and commit our life to Christ. The word believe doesn't mean I just believe it. It means I believe it so strongly I'm going to commit my life to this. Right? So when we did that, we opened a door and the Holy Spirit, we invited him in by yielding that to that by saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. I'm committing my life to you. Now what happened, Jesus, or the Spirit of God comes in, makes, takes out the old spirit man that you were, dead, separated from God, puts a brand new spirit in you. You are now God's child, right? You are literally a child of God. The Bible says that we have been redeemed 
by the precious blood of Jesus, we have been born again by his incorruptible word. Right? So now I'm born again. I'm given, I'm, I'm a new spirit being. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So now I'm brand new on the inside. Okay? The Holy Spirit comes and takes eternal residency in my spirit man. Wow, my spirit has the capacity to hold God. That's, that's amazing, right? And he takes a permanent residency. And now here's the key. Then he sheds the very love of God abroad in my heart. Why? So that I can know that God loves me. Also so that I can now love God because I love him because he first loved me, right? And now I'm able to love others with the unconditional love of God. The world doesn't have that. The fact that the divorce rate in the church is the same as in the world tells me that Christians don't know who they are. Now, I know we're dealing with a lot of people think they're Christians and they're not, right? But we're working on that by teaching the word of God, right? So, but literally, we have to find out who we are in him, what we've been given. So then Colossians chapter 1 in verse 13, it tells us what it means to be redeemed, right? It says here in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 1, if you look at these Greek words, literally it would read like this, who hath once and for all totally delivered us and removed us out of the authority of darkness and the kingdom of darkness and hath transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. I have been once and for all removed from the delegated authority of darkness. Satan does not have any authority over me anymore. I've been, and it's once and for all. Right? Which means, what if I, what if I have some behavior in my life that's wrong? Does that change that? No. It's a once and for all thing. Now I'm in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where the will of God is exercised. So I live in this world system which is fallen, right? But I live it, I'm to live it in the kingdom. I'm to walk in the kingdom. Do you know there's no lack in the kingdom? There's no sickness and disease that can live in the kingdom. But I have to know it because this stuff doesn't, doesn't just happen automatically. Why? Because God gave you and I a free will. Every problem in your life, every problem that I've ever had in my life is me wanting to do what I want to do instead of doing what God's word says because his word is life, right? But this is why when you are walking through life, you need to realize you may, you may feel like you're under the delegated authority of darkness, but you're not. You are in the kingdom of God. And you have the name of Jesus that where you use the name of Jesus, his presence, his power, his provision is right there. He is at the right hand of the Father and he is watching over his word that's coming out of your heart, through your mouth to perform it. And he will perform it. So when you say to the mountain move, 
Guess what? He moves the mountain. But he can't move the mountain unless you believe it and speak it. Right? So, why, if I'm in the kingdom of God, why is there poverty, lack? Why, why could there be fear if I'm in the kingdom? It's because I don't know. I don't believe it. I don't know how to walk in it. And I'm, or I'm just looking at something else. The whole game is going to be, are you going to believe your circumstances, your feelings, your emotions, or are you going to believe the word? Because if you'll believe this, guess what? The word of God will change all of that stuff to come in line with his word. Okay? But it doesn't happen automatically because God gave you a free will. He will not force you to be healed. He will not force you to be free. Right? You are free, but, but in order to walk in that, you're going to have to believe it and use the word of God. Right? So let's go back. We, we started going into the epistles last week, and we, we kind of took a snapshot uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to just read the first two verses, and then we're going to keep going today. Last week, we really delve into these, so we broke some Greek words down. We're not going to do that today in these two verses, but we're going to keep going. But now this, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. It says, and you hath, past tense, he quickened. That Greek word quickened means, and you hath he made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins? See, you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. Do you know a dead person cannot help themselves? Right? That's why we needed a savior. I needed somebody to save me. I couldn't save myself. Verse 2, wherein in times past, before you and I were born again, this is how we walked. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Do you know people that don't know God? They'll go, no, I'm living my own life. Do you know how many human beings are living their own life? Not one. Not one. People who don't know God, who have never yielded and given their heart to Christ, they are under, they are, this is the way they're walking. They're under the prince of the power of the air. The Bible says they're in the world without God and without hope. Wow. That's why we pray for people that are not saved. Right? Because they are without God. But guess what? You can invite God to start working in their lives. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. You are his body. And his head, the head, Jesus, wants to reach everyone. But he can't just do it automatically. He does it through his body. So we pray. Right? Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. God calls people who have not received Christ and been born again, they are children of disobedience. They are, this word disobedience means they are unpersuadable, Right? Have you ever met somebody where you start talking to them about God and it's very clear they are unpersuadable? 
They don't want to hear it. They get mad, right? Just smile, it's okay. Have you had your children ever go, don't talk to me about that, Jesus freak. I don't want anything to do with God. You can just smile and go, okay. And you walk away going, I have authority. I'm going to pray, right? I told one guy when I was witnessing to him at some beach in California, I can't remember where it was, but I said, you know, you seem really bothered by all this. And I go, I want you to know when I walk away, I'm not even going to think about you anymore. I'm just going to pray once. And all these words that upset you so much, they're going to keep. They're just going to keep on you. You're just going to keep hearing, I love you. I love you. And not only that, I'm actually going to pray that God brings more people like me across your path. He's like, don't do that. I said, well, what, why do you care? You don't believe in it. I know when I get to heaven, this guy's going to walk up to me. He's going to go, dude, thank you. Man, I just, I mean, people were coming out of the woodwork, right? Oh, God will work. Don't be moved by where people are. Just pray for them. Invite God, because they're in the world. They don't have hope. They don't have God. But you can bring God into their life. Hallelujah. That's a good, that's a good word. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. See, I said this last week and we kind of finished with this. Spiritually dead human beings, these are people that have never accepted Christ, they still function, right? Have you noticed that? They still look alive, right? They look alive, but they're not on the inside. But they function independent of God right? And this is why Christians have inner turmoil. Because God, if you're born again, God is in you. But we still, if we give into our flesh, will try to function independent of God. And that's why we have inner turmoil, right? Geez, my friends could go party and they just feel no guilt but all of a sudden, I, just something's, this is not fair. I can't really do this anymore. No, that's, that's a good thing. God's not convicting you. Your spirit is. Your spirit's going, what are you doing? Right? And this is why we renew our mind. Why do we do that? We renew our mind with the word of God. As we do that, our spirit man grows stronger. It renovates our thinking. So now... Our spirit and our soulish realm will side and tell our body to shut up. No, we're not saying that. We're not doing that. We're not going there, right? If you start going there, it'll start pulling you back. A dead man, remember this, is unable to help himself. He needs a savior. And that's why we're all here right now. We're here to introduce them to Jesus. Amen? So, now let's get into something new. Let me read this again. And you hath he quickened, Ephesians 2.1, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Verse 3, among whom also we had all our conversation. 
This word conversation means our manner of life and our character. Among whom also we all, so this is everybody, had our conversation, our manner of life, our character in times past in the lusts of our flesh. Fulfilling, fulfilling, this Greek word means finding a way, creating a way to fulfill the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature, we're by nature. This is who we were. This means by instinct. I remember growing up, we moved out of Chicago. I didn't know it to hide from my biological father. And uh, so I'm in this little small town and a friend of mine, they were out doing something with his dad and they found a, 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 a baby raccoon. The mother probably was, had died or whatever, so they took the baby raccoon in their house. And, and for about a year, this thing was so cute, you know? I mean, it was so funny. They had cats. They had Siamese cats, and this little, this little raccoon would just go up and grab their tail, and these cats would rear up and just, if, if those cats were not declawed, that, that thing would have been shredded because they'd hit him in the face about 50 times. Bam, 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 bam. He'd run away, right? Well, he kept getting bigger and bigger. You know, they, had, they got to the point where he could get up on tables and things, and, and he loved ice cubes. So he'd knock over the, the tea, grab the ice cube and just, you know, and all this stuff. But at about a year old, I mean, I'd go there, they had a chair. It was so funny. This thing would run up the side of the chair and jump on your head. And it got, it was like this, just blubber, you know, just, and then you'd grab it and put it in your lap and rub its belly and it just loved that stuff. But when it got to be about a year old, instinct kicked in and it started getting aggressive so, I mean, it was friendly at times, but it would also get aggressive by instinct. This is what this is talking about. We were by instinct, not by choice, no free will, by instinct. This is saying people who are not born again are by instinct the children of wrath, even as others. This word wrath means something so deplorable that it deserves to be damned. Wow, those are harsh words. Think about that. Every person that does not know God, you and I, before we gave our heart to Christ and were made new, we were by instinct the children of wrath. But God loved us so much. And that's the way we love. Don't be moved when people are mean to you. Aren't you glad God wasn't moved by things we've done, right? We were trapped and we were held in bondage to what our minds and our bodies wanted to do. And see, we preach this because many Christians feel trapped to do what their mind and their bodies want them to do. And the answer is to renew your mind and let God pull out that junk from your unrenewed mind so that you can your life could be transformed. Who you are on the inside will start showing up in your behavior. That's why God says to a, chi a child of his, he's like, listen, there is now 
no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, to those that are in Christ Jesus. You've got to know that because the shame of sin will pull you back into it. The answer is to re renovate your thinking with the word of God. And, to do, and we do that our whole lives, right? So give yourself a break, but don't put up with the sin in your life. Give yourself a break, though. Don't beat yourself up. Run to him and renew your mind. Listen, God loved you so much that when you were deplorable, so when you were a child of wrath, when you were this person that was unpersuadable, he still came looking for you. How much more as his child now, he longs for you and wants you to walk in Zoe life. No more oppression, no more anxiety, no more fear, no more poverty and lack, no more sickness and disease ruling in your life. This is the way he wants us to walk. See, it's not a person's individual acts of sin that makes them a sinner, okay? It is that person's sin nature that makes a person commit individual acts of sin. Right? You gotta look at it that way. And God, first of all, wants his children free. God wants you to walk holy before him. Why? It pleases him because the enemy can't touch you. But you can't walk holy unless you know you've been made righteous. Because the Bible is very clear that holiness, which is your behavior, flows out of righteousness, which is what you've been made. So you have to know who you are. And that's why we teach these things over and over and over. Amen? With the emphasis on over and over. So salvation is not a matter of stopping sin. Our nature must be changed by being born again. Now, because we preach this, listen, you have to know that, believer. Your nature is not to sin. It's the reason why you're having problems. It's because the pride that is in your flesh wants to do what it wants to do. But if you will embrace the word of God and renew your mind with the word of God, put him first place in your life, you will walk free from everything. Everything. So, verses 1 through verse 3 very specifically describes the condition that God found all of us in. Okay? That's, if you want to know what an unbeliever is, so, so don't go around going like this, well, you know, I know this guy, man, he wants nothing to do about God, but you know, he's a really good person. No, he's not. Well, man, he, this guy's wealthy and he gives and gives to all these charities and everything. Yeah, okay, that's great. He does, he does some nice things, but he's not a good person. He must be born again. He's spiritually dead right? Because you have two classes of spiritually dead people. One class are religious people, right? This class would include religious people. I'm religious. 
or I'm morally upright. That's the, in the same class. I'm morally upright. I don't, I don't really hurt anybody. Have you ever been witnessing to somebody, telling them about Jesus? Well, you know, I'm a good person, right? Well, good compared to what? Because God's good is perfect, and you can't match up to that. So you have that one class of people, morally upright and religious. And Romans chapter 1 says very clearly these people are, or I'm sorry, Romans chapter 2 says these people are lost, right? Romans chapter 1, then you've got people that have a heathenistic lifestyle. They're out there doing what in the world we would call all kinds of just sinful lifestyles. Guess what? They're just as lost. The Bible says, for all have sinned. And see, sin, what does that mean? The word sin means to miss the mark. Well, who's the mark? God. And, and literally, the wages of sin is death, and God is trying to eradicate death on the earth. Right? So here, this is describing us. So let me say this again. God loves you. As a child of God, you could live like, like somebody who doesn't know God if you're living out of your flesh. And, and guys, we don't have a great example of what it means to be a Christian in the United States. Right? Because we have a lot of people that are running around calling themselves Christians and their lifestyle is no different than the world. But don't get down on them. They just don't know. They don't know the word. And that's why the greatest thing we could do for our brothers and sisters is live this before them. Never beating them up with the Bible. Right? Just living our life before them. So now, but God, verse 4, you ready? But God, who is rich in mercy, that means, but God, who has an inexhaustible supply of mercy. Now, I could stand up and testify. I have probably put pressure on that supply, and it's never ran out. But God, who has an inexhaustible supply of mercy, in mercy, for his great love whereby he loved us. Wow. What God is saying right here in his word is now God has intervened and now there is an answer to every problem in humanity and it's all found in Christ. See, but God is greater than any natural report that you will get from a doctor, from your financial guy, from just your checkbook talking to you. It doesn't matter. From your feelings, your emotion, but God. That's why when you come into his presence, today, all things are possible to you. Today, you could, have, you could walk in a new direction and walk free today. Right? That's, that's what God has done. So this verse, God reveals his motive for providing salvation for us. What was his motive? He was motivated by his love for us. And he said, listen, guys, freely you've received. Now you go out and freely give, right? And I'm telling you, the harvest field is ripe. People are, people are ripe for this. 
Accepting salvation literally is accepting God's love. So verse 5, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. Now these verses are in what's called the aorist tense. So what that means is this is something that God has already done. It's a completed work. So even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up. Oh, now we know why you're talking about this, Pastor, because we're talking about authority. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only did he make us alive, he raised us up and he made us sit together in heavenly places. That's all in the Greek aorist tense. That means it's a completed work. It's once and for all. Okay? So let's keep going with this. Verse 5 and verse 6. Stay right there. So we, as God's offspring, are raised together with Christ to sit together with him. Where is he seated? At the right hand of God. And this is why, as you get into the epistles, you must understand positional truth and temporal truth. Positionally, I am seated right now. Figure this out. I am seated at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. Positionally, I am at Faith Family Church at 9515 Blondo Street. But, or temporally I'm here, but positionally I'm there. So as I walk, as I walk temporally through this world, I walk with a conscious revelation knowledge of where I'm seated. You gotta know, in order to walk in your authority, in order to understand the authority that you've been given, you have to know where you're seated. So to operate in the authority of the name of Jesus, to operate in this believer's authority, you must know where you're seated. When you face something, you need to face it boldly. Satan, you have, you still must not have any idea who you're talking to. I am in Christ. I've been raised with him and I'm seated with him and I have all the authority that he was given when he conquered you. So shut up and get out. This is Bible. So let's read it again. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Now, if you notice, in these two verses, it mentions together three times. This is the Holy Spirit going, you have to get this. Three times in two verses, that's him yelling this. Together, it describes our union with Christ in the word quickened. 
right? We were quickened together with him. It, it describes our union with Christ in verse 5. We were raised, verse 6, and we were seated together in heavenly places, verse 6. We were quickened, we were raised, and were seated together with Christ. Wow. That's why we have authority. Satan actually knows this. Every demonic power that's set against you knows this. And they are just really hoping that you never know this. Right? See, all of these things in verse 5 and 6 are only possible because of our union with Christ. You are one with him. Your life, Colossians tells us, is tucked away with Christ in God. That's who you are. Man, I'm telling you, poverty can't live in your presence. Depression can't live in your presence. Oppression can't live in your presence. Don't, don't, don't buy into the lie that, well, I'm the, I'm the sick and I'm trying to get healed. No, no, you are the healed. Therefore, sickness and disease has to get out of your body, leave your body, and you stand until it does. Well, why didn't it happen yet? Shut up. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. You said I was healed. That's all, that's all I need. Right? This is the way we live. So, let's keep going. Verse 5, again. Even when, Pastor, how many times are you going to read this? <laughs> Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and made us sit together in heavenly and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wow. Now, in these verses, made us sit, raised, and quicken. They are all again in the aorist tense. It means that this is something that God has already done. It's, one, it's a one and done thing. It can never be undone. Since we are resurrected with Jesus, since we are seated with him, we should do the same works as he did. That all makes sense now. What is true of him, this will rock you a little bit, is true of us. Right? Living a victorious life is completely dependent on yours and my dependency on Christ and not ourselves. Remember? Made us sit, raised, quicken, all these words are because of our union with him. So in order to walk in this, it's completely dependent upon Christ and not me. To walk in healing to walk in prosperity, to walk in peace and rest, strength, all of this stuff. Don't put the pressure on you. It's all dependent upon him, right? Remember, we don't focus on living for God. Our focus is on Jesus so that he could live through us. That's victorious Christian living. 
That's why all this, all this, you know, you're never going to come here and hear me beat you up with the word. Because God doesn't do that. Right? Because if, if you beat somebody up with the word, then you're telling them it's dependent upon you. No, no, no. No, you have to be willing and obedient. But it's all dependent upon him. Because you could not walk in any of this if it wasn't for him. And he empowers you by his spirit. This is the freedom. This is why Jesus said, listen, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Because it's all dependent upon him. I love that. It's frustrating when you're trying to live for Christ instead of recognizing your own weaknesses and letting Christ live through you. Well, I'm a work of faith person. I never, I never am going to recognize that I'm weak. Okay. Oh, prideful one. Oh, blind one. No, 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 no. In me, in myself, the, here's, here's the in you realities that are in the New Testament. Jesus said all of them. In yourself, you know nothing. In yourself, you have nothing. And in yourself, you can do nothing. Praise God, Pastor. I'm so glad I came to church today, right? No, but in him, you can do all things. In him, you could know all things. In him, you have all things. So don't live in the in you realities, right? And if you ever find yourself making wrong choices and you're going in a wrong direction, then just change your mind. We call that repenting. Father, listen. That's not who I am. I confess that before you. God loves that because you aren't what you do. Not if you're a Christian. You're just trying to live like a fish out of water. And that's why that inner turmoil is there. And you have these times where, well, no, I, you know, I have some good times. Yeah, when you go out and have some of those good times that God's not leading you to do, after it's over, do you just feel this sense of satisfaction for the next three months? No, it's over. It's, as a matter of fact, usually if it's sin, right after it's over, oh, here comes the enemy sitting on your shoulder, right? Your own spirit's going, what in the world are you doing? God is faithful. So look at what Paul said under this context in Galatians 2.20. It will make it make sense. Paul said this, I am, actually in the Greek it, it would read like this, I have been and am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That in that one verse explains Ephesians right there. That's who we are. So now let's go into something else here. Romans chapter 5. Let's go to verse 17. Because this is a great verse on authority. The authority of the believer is all over the Bible. God is saying, when you have me, you have everything, so now you stand in what I've given you, and I'm telling you, when you speak the word of God, it'll change everything in your life. Everything in your life. This is why we're not coming here to be religious. 
Call me anything, please don't call me religious, right? I mean, I know my good friend Joe Morris was calling Jeanette and I normal. I'm like, dude, call me anything, don't call me normal, right? I don't want to be normal. He meant that in a good way because he's been around a lot of Star Trek Christians, right, who are boldly going where nobody has ever gone before thinking they're moving in the Spirit, and they wouldn't know the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit walked in with a neon yellow shirt that says, I'm the Holy Spirit, glowing. They'd miss it, right, you know? No, we are peculiar people. And it doesn't, that word doesn't mean weird. You know what that word means? It means we are purchased people. And it also means we are surrounded people. To get to me, you got to go through my Lord and my, my you got to go through the Holy Spirit, you got to go through my Lord and my Father. We are family, right? And to mess with me, you got to mess with him and you can't mess with him. And, and, and when, you, when you know that, it'll change everything in your life. So look at what it says, Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam's offense in the Garden of Eden, Notice it didn't mention Eve, it mentioned Adam. Sorry guys, you know, you know that joke. Well, you know, where would we all be if it wasn't for, right, Eve? The answer to that, well, we'd be in the garden. No, no, Adam messed that up, right? For by one man's offense, de- Adam's offense, death reigned. This word reigned It means to have full and superior dominion. Death reigned by one. But then it says this, much more, and this phrase much more means so much more, you can't compare it. Much more, they which receive. That means they which lay hold of and continue in. The abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign, have full and superior dominion in life. It's way beyond, it's, that Greek word is not natural life. They will reign in the zoe, God kind of life. Or in other words, you will reign in your natural life just the way God would reign. But you have to grab hold of a couple things, right? They which receive. This this literally is in the continuous present tense in the Greek. So it literally would read like this. They which continuously lay hold of and continue in. It's a one-time event that keeps going. And in this Greek word, it's something that grows, So as I lay hold of the abundance of grace, as I lay hold of the gift of righteousness, it will grow in me. Okay? You have that picture? We're talking about how to reign in life. We're talking about how to walk in your authority. The abundance of grace. Grace is the Greek word charis. It literally means the divine influence on the heart that is reflected out of the life. It literally means God doing for me what I could never do for myself. The finished work of Jesus is what it's talking about. 
if I lay hold of that and continue in it, it will grow in me. As I walk in the grace of God, it grows day by day by day. I learn how to walk in it. I learn how to yield to it. It's greater than anything that I will ever face. The, great, the healing grace of God is greater than any sickness and disease. The healing grace of God will eradicate all sickness and disease from your body. Right? The abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. If I grab hold of the gift of righteousness, which remember, Jesus was made sin so that I would be made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ. You are not clothed in righteousness. You are made it. But even though you're made it, you still have to grab hold of it and receive that and continue in it. Shall reign, in other words, shall have full and superior dominion in life. The Amplified Classic even brings out the Greek even better. It says, will reign as kings in life. God placed us on the earth to reign. You're going to have to reign to yield all of your fruit in your season. You're going to have to walk in full and superior dominion. Otherwise, it's going to seem like your leaf's withering. Right? You're going to have to reign in life to really know that you're like a tree planted by rivers of water and you always have more than enough provision in your life. To have full and superior dominion. Because you're going to have to stand in the midst of natural circumstances that are screaming at you that look different than what the Bible is saying. Right? Well, then that means it's not true. No, 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 no. That means there's an enemy that's trying to talk you out of it. But that's when you stand up and go, wait a minute, no, 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 no. I've been made righteous. I've been given the grace of God. I have been given all the authority in the name of Jesus, and when I speak his word in his name, he will perform it. I'm in Christ. Well, who do you think you are? I'm his child. And this has nothing to do with me because I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. He just gave it to me because he loves me so much. And by the way, person who maybe is kind of upset at me for saying some of these things, it's for you too. But you're going to have to believe it. In other words, guys, we are to reign in his strength. In his strength. We're talking about that on Wednesday night. How to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, we got to have a revelation of us being made righteous. We, you got to know that you've been made the very righteousness of God in Christ. That's what enables you to reign as a king in the very life of God on this earth. You got to know who you've been made, right? God wants the world to see him through us. That's how come Christians, we've been called haters, right? The world will say that we judge, but in reality, we're lovers. We love everybody with God's love. It's unconditional. We only judge one person. Each of us only judge one person. Who is it? We judge ourselves. 
We don't ever judge anybody else. So see, we got to get this out of the church. Don't judge your brothers and sisters. Right? Don't judge them because guess what? The Bible's real clear. When you judge somebody else, guess what? You get to be sat in the judgment seat. Well, man, I want mercy. Amen. Right? Always mercy. So I'm always going to show mercy. Don't, don't be afraid to let people, if they've taken advantage of you, and here, here's the thing. Let's say they've taken advantage of you financially. Man, don't, just, just let it go. Right? Be led. Be led. Go after those things that God says go after. But man, don't let it ruin your life. Right? I was meeting with a friend of mine and a, a business guy. He, uh, you know, he owns a, a business here in town and a person completely reneged on something and it was about $20,000 that the guy owed him. And, and he's just like, man, I just don't know. You know, I don't know what to do and all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, as I was talking to him, it was very obvious this was affecting everything in his life. It's affecting his, his children. It's affecting his life. I mean, it's taken him in depression and anxiety and anger. And I'm like, man, that's not worth 20 grand. Let it go. Just let it go, right? For us as Christians, just let it go and then tell Satan, you're going to bring that back to me. Amen. So God wants the world, God wants the world to see him through you and I. Righteousness is not conduct. Righteousness is the very life and nature of God, which will change your conduct, right? Righteousness gives you and I the ability to stand in the presence of Almighty God without any sense of guilt or inferiority as if sin never existed. Do you realize you're going to stand face to face with God. The Bible says that the white throne judgment, when God judges all the people at the end of the human, at the end of the millennial period, all, all hell is emptied, all the dead that never accepted Christ will stand before God and be judged for all the sins that they committed that Jesus paid for. The Bible says when God comes out, it says that the heavens flee from him, from his presence. It's just so glorious, so powerful. And you're going to stand face to face with him. Why? Because you've been made righteous. That messes with me. Righteousness is what identifies you and I with Jesus. You have been made righteous with his righteousness. Wow. Once you become aware that you've been made righteous, when you've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God in Christ, you will now begin to reign as a king in your life. So how do you walk in your authority? You have to have a revelation that you've been made righteous. So Romans 5:17 again. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, or I'm sorry, you could say it this way, with one, Jesus Christ. So grace, the grace of God, 
The grace of God is a source of power that will always produce inward strength in your life. Strengthen with God's very ability. Grace is God doing for you and I what we could never do for ourselves. Grace, you've probably heard me say this before, is literally a divine deposit of the ability of God in a person which will produce outward manifestations of God's ability. He will deposit his grace in you and what will manifest out of you is manifestations of his ability. In other words, when you walk on the earth, you're going to walk like Jesus walked. So let's jump back to Romans as we just kind of close this down. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Let's look at just a couple more scriptures. It says, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. In other words, all sinned in Adam. I love the way it says, and death by sin. Death, what is death? Is separation from God, which is life. Okay? Death is just separation from God. Examples of death would be sickness, disease, poverty, lack, fear, anxiety, those things. Those are, those are examples of death. They should have no place in our lives. If they're in our lives now, the good news is you could get it out of your life. Now jump back to Romans chapter 4, verse 25. Look at this. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Talking about Jesus. He was delivered. He died on that cross for our offenses. And then he was raised again for our justification. If you wanted to read this in the literal Greek, it would read like this. Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again when we were justified. When, was, when were you and I justified? That word means made righteous. When he came out of the grave. Isn't that amazing? So let's go back to Romans chapter 5 now. I want to read verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore, being, or really in the Greek it would be, therefore, having been justified, declared righteous. This word means declared righteous, acquitted it means set free. It means to, rend to render just or justified. Therefore, being justified by faith, how did we get justified? By faith. All we had to do was believe it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Child of God, do you realize today you have peace with God? He is not mad at you. If, you're, if your behavior's kind of whacked out, you're going to feel inner turmoil, but that doesn't mean he's mad at you. He might not be pleased with your life because he can't get much over to you in that state. But he's not mad at you. There's nothing for him to be mad at you for. All of your sin was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus. He's not mad at you today. You have peace with God. I love that. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, 
by whom, by Christ, also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein or which causes us to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. See, now that you've been justified, you have access by faith into grace, which causes you to stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means as you look to your future in every battle, you have a full confident expectation that you're going to see the glory of God. If grace was a tree, glory would be the fruit. God puts his grace in you. What comes out of you is his glory. Guess what his glory is? It's his presence. In every battle that you see, that you face, that looks like it's going to take you out, and all of a sudden your body's healed, your finances change, you're free, guess what it speaks of? It speaks of God. Because God wants to reveal himself to a lost and dying world through you and I. That's why we must, we must walk in our authority. Verse 21 of chapter 5. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. In other words, the grace of God brings you and I more and more into eternal life. What is eternal life? I'm glad you asked. The Bible actually tells you in John 17, eternal life, right? That you may know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. God is giving you and I an invitation to know him as intimately as we want to know him. See, this verse has us, it has to do with us operating in something. Adam's offense, death reigned. Sin reigned unto death. Grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. But this revelation, the revelation of this verse has to be received by faith or through faith. It has to grow in you. It has to. You have to believe that. You, when you simply go, okay, grace reigns through righteousness. I'm going to operate in the grace of God out of, out of righteousness, and it's going to cause me to know God. It's going to cause me to walk with God. It's going to cause me to have full and superior dominion in my life. As I gain a revelation knowledge of this, it will grow in me because these things grow. So what do I confess? I believe and I accept that death, sin, and the devil no longer reign over me. So if you want to, say that with me. I believe and I accept that death, that sin, that the devil no longer reigns over me. We better say that again. I believe and I accept that death, that sin, and that the devil no longer reigns over me. 
Hallelujah. Here's the cool thing. You don't have to understand it to enjoy it. You just have to believe it. Hallelujah. We've got to learn how to live out of our spirit, not out of our flesh and not out of our intellect. See, I don't care if it makes you laugh or if it makes you feel good. I don't care if it intellectually stimulates you. If it's not God's word, we shouldn't say it and we shouldn't sing it. Because God's word is too good. These things will not change your life. I have to learn how to function. This is the 80s statement. i got to learn how to function out of the unction, this inner knowing that's coming from the Holy Spirit. Right? So I'm going to finish with this verse. Galatians 5.1, the Bible says, stand fast. This word fast is the word fixed. Stand fixed, therefore, in the liberty or in the freedom wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So in other words, God is saying to you and I, stand, live, enjoy the freedom that has been given to you and do not ever, 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 ever yield to bondage again. You are free. Remember that word in October for our church? That this would be a year that you walk in the freedom whereby Christ has made you free. So go out with the word of God in your heart and keep it in your mouth and never, ever let the enemy have place in your life again. Amen?